Thank you for listening to Elohim Christian Church's podcast. We're a place where imperfect people worship and meet a perfect God. If this is your first time listening, we're located in Richmond Hill in Queens, New York City, and are led by pastors Carlos and Rebecca Medina. If you're looking for a place to worship and to know Jesus, we would love to meet you and see you in person. Find us online at www.elohimchurch.org so we can connect. And now, here's this week's message. Let's pray for the word beforehand. Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord. We come before your presence this morning, Lord. We give you glory and honor, Lord. You know, Father, Lord, we're just unworthy people, Lord, serving a great king. We thank you, Father, Lord, because your word does what what it's supposed to do, Lord, which is to restore, to edify, to encourage, Lord. I pray, Father, Lord, that it may not be me that speak this morning. It may be you, your words, Lord. Father, Lord, for I don't know much, but you are great. And you know all things. And you know what your people need. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Uh, Let's open up to the book of Judges. Chapter 7. And uh, just bear with me this morning because I I have a lot of scripture I'm going to read. Uh, Judges chapter 7, verse 2 through 21. Judges 7, verse 2 through 21. And it reads like this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It says, The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into into their hands or Israel will boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out there for you. If I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told them, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lap, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the, of the others. Now the, now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp, because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid, to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they're saying. Afterwards, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura and his he so he and Pura his servant went down to the outpost of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the eastern peoples had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. 
Their camels could be could no more their camels could no more be counted than the sands on the seashore. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream. He was saying, a round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. I struck it, it struck the tent with such force, and the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This is nothing, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hand. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all the men, of all of them, with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow me. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When, when I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout. For the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. Just after they had changed the guard, they blew their trumpets and broke, they blew their trumpets and broke the, gra- the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew their trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hand and holding it in their right hand, the trumpets. They were to blow and, and they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran crying out as they fled. I'm going to preach, uh, I'm going to speak to you under the title this morning, Faith, a Path to Victory. Faith, a Path to Victory. I want to give you a little context historical context to this passage. Uh, We see that the book of Judges takes place after the death of Joshua. Uh, We were just singing, right, how how, uh, the Israelites were delivered from Egypt and how God split the Red Sea and how Joshua was called to take them into the promised land. But after the death of Moses and the death of Joshua, there was no leader in the camp of Israel. No one to lead them no more. No one to encourage them. So God raises leaders, 12 leaders under this title of judge. And each leader was to lead the Israelites uh, in civil matters, and they were to lead the Israelites in times of war. These were the judges. We see that one of these judges here is Gideon. Gideon's story takes place in Judges chapter 6 to chapter 8. When God finds Gideon in chapter 6, he was scared threshing wheat in a wine press. And we know that when God sees him, he calls him mighty warrior. And what, what's Gideon's response in 6.13 of uh, Chapter 6, verse 13, God calls a mighty warrior, and Gideon's response is, pardon me, Lord? Pardon me, my Lord? The Lord, I'm sending you, Gideon. 6, uh, six 
verse 15, chapter 6, verse 15, two verses later, he says again, pardon me, my Lord, mighty warrior, you're sending me, excuse me, Lord, do you got the right person, do you got the right, are you sure you're sending me? I'm the weakest of my clan and the least in my family. Gideon cannot believe that God was calling him to deliver Israel from the hands of the Midianites. The Midianites were coming into the Israelite camp for seven years and they were taking all their crops, killing their cattle, taking everything that they had worked for for seven years, and they will come and they just take it. And here God shows up and says, hey, I'm calling you for this great work. I'm calling you to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Midianites. Excuse me? You got the wrong guy, Lord. But that's what God does. Those who believe that God only uses those who have official qualifications, or framed degrees have not spent too much time in the book of Judges. Because Judges shows us that God uses whomever he wants, however he wants, through whatever channel he wants. That was true in the, day of, in the days of Judges, and it's true in today's day. God will use whoever he wants. We need to look in the mirror and say, if I'm a follower of Christ, the one that's sitting on the throne, the one that resurrected from the dead, if I'm, if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I am a minister. I have gifts. I have a calling. And God can use me. You need to tell yourselves that. When there's doubt, pardon me, my Lord, you're, you're calling me? When there's insecurities, if you're a follower of Christ, you have to tell yourself, God can use me. I have his Holy Spirit. I have his gifts. You can use me, Lord. If I were to have looked at Gideon Scared in that wine press, threshing wheat in a wine press. You know, you're not supposed to thresh wheat in a wine press. You're supposed to thresh wheat, wheat in, a, in, a, in a high hill where there's wind. Because as you thresh the wheat, it separates the shaft, right? He's, he's threshing in a wine press. If, if I had to look for a leader, I would say, I'm not taking Gideon. Look at where he's at. I don't, want, I don't want him. I want someone that's going to put their boot on someone's neck when it's time for war. So leave Gideon right there in the wine press. That's the problem in our humanity. We are quick to qualify or unqualify someone by how they may look or appear or their standards at the moment. Because in our physical nature, with our physical eyes, we look, we say, I don't want him. 
because he doesn't look qualified to lead these people. But God looks and says, wait a minute. He's a man of valor. He's a mighty warrior. When you look and you think you're unqualified, you're the best person that can qualify so that God can use. If you think you're unqualified, God says you're a mighty man of valor. If you think you're unqualified, the Lord says you're a woman of valor. You're brave. You're courageous. You're strong. You're loving. You're a protector. You're royalty. You're precious. You are a son of the most high God. You are a daughter of the most high God. You are valuable. In order for you to have the victory, God is not calling you to see what he sees. He's calling you to obey and believe what he has already said. He's not calling you to see what he sees. That's God's job. He's calling you to obey what he has said in his word. Victory will require an element of faith and an element of belief. You can't have victory if you don't believe. The first point I want to pull out of this passage this morning is that your faith will be tested. You know, there was a board meeting once. Not from here, Pastor. Don't get nervous. There was a board meeting once. And they were discussing a project. And everybody was enthusiastically happy. And they said, let's do it. Let's do it, Pastor. Let's do it. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, we should go. You know, we vote. We vote for this project. And then another board member in the back of the room raised his hand. And everybody was like, yeah, we, we vote. You know, let's, let's, let's move in faith. Let's, let's take the step of faith because the Lord will help us build. The Lord will help us in this project. And another member in the back raised his hand. And, and, and the pastor was like, go ahead. And he says, on whose faith are we trusting on for this project? And the boardroom was silenced. And everybody started to search their hearts. Because it's easy to say, let's move in faith. But on whose faith? You're required to have your own faith. You can't, you can't have a victory with the faith of the ancestors and our forefathers. Yeah, I love the story of David and I love the story of Moses. But you cannot have a victory with their faith, their time passed. Your faith is what's required in this time and in this season. We can talk about the faith of our ancestors. We can sing about it. But we cannot succeed depending on it. You cannot succeed depending on someone else's faith. You need your faith. Your faith needs to be tested. Your faith needs to be tried. God tests our faith for at least two main reasons. 
The first one is to show if our faith is real or it's counterfeit. Sometimes I'll be in the subway. Well, I haven't taken the subway in a long time. Now I work 15 minutes from the house. But when I used to work uh, uh, downtown and I used to take the subway, I used to see all these guys with their sneakers. And sometimes I would say, those don't look original to me. Those don't look original. And then you see all the ladies with their, with their Gucci bags and their, and their Louis Vuitton bags. And they're walking in and I'm like, that bag looks a little suspicious to me. It doesn't match the outfit. Your faith is going to be tested to see if it's counterfeit or if it's authentically real. Oh, man. The second reason why your faith is going to be tested is to strengthen you for the task that God has called you for. Is your faith real or is it counterfeit? Will it strengthen you for the task or will cause you to leave like the soldiers of Gideon? Charles Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon quotes that the promises of God shine brightest in the furnace of affliction. And it is in claiming those promises that we gain victory. In Judges chapter 7, there seems to be a number problem. Because the armies of Israel came out and they were 32,000 strong. And the armies of the Midianites and the Amalekites were 135,000 strong. There seems to be a number problem. You know what's the number? You know what are the odds there? Four to one. Four to one. Four soldiers for every one soldier. So if I was just to quickly say four guys here. Uh, Greg, Greg, do you mind just standing up? Ever's already standing up. Chris, you mind standing up? Edwin is up there, but you guys know Edwin. Big guy. Does the, 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 the visual. Them four against me. I'm going to have a problem. First of all, I'm older in age. I'm not as strong as I was in my early, mid-20s. But those are four big guys. And if I see them approaching me, I know I'm going to, my eyes tell me that these guys are bigger than me. The circumstances tell me that I'm going to be scared because they are going to come and put a hurting on me. Because they're four to my one. You, might, you guys may be seated. Thank you. The Israelites were outnumbered and outgunned. The Bible tells us that they had camels. The Midianites had camels, and the camels will, run, uh, will, will go as fast as 40 miles per hour. They had so much weapons that, I mean, they were outnumbered and they were outgunned. There's a number problem. And then the Lord says to Gideon in verse 2, you have too many men. What? Jesus. You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands. Or Israel will boast against me. My own strength has saved me. 
It's not by your strength. When you could do it on your own strength, then I could guarantee you that God's hand wasn't on it. When you can see a victory and not know how it happened, I can tell you God's hand was on it. Because it's usually the things that we cannot explain that God is in control of. And then he says in verse 3, he says, Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. 22,000 men left Gideon's side. Wait a minute. There's 135,000 men down there. Now I'm down to 10,000 men. When the odds are against you, in our humanity, we can get overwhelmed. We can get scared. Have you ever, are you, are you going through something today where you can say, the odds look like they're against me? I want to encourage you today that God is with you. But Gideon is like, now I got 10,000. And then verse 4 says, but the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. What, Lord? You know, maybe I should have titled this differently when, when faith doesn't make sense. Because this doesn't make sense to me. The Lord said there are too many men still. And then he says, I'm going to separate the men for you. You know, God has a way of removing people that are no good for us. God doesn't want people with fear walking next to you. So he, he tells you, hey, man. Won't you tell them, those that fear will leave. But and I love that. He says, there's still too many men. And then the Lord says, take them down to the water. I will thin them out there for you. I, you did your part. But there's still some people next to you that, that might not be beneficial for you. So I'm going to remove them from you now, Gideon. And sometimes... God removes people from our path, not for, for, for forever, for a season. Because he removed Gideon's people for a season only. At the end of the battle, Gideon comes back to his army. They all come back together. But there are seasons in your life where God is calling you to move in faith and he doesn't want someone with fear right next to you. Because fear can be contaminated, it can contaminate a little bit. And the Lord says, I will thin them out there for you. And now the odds are just radical. We went from 4 to 1 to 13 to 1. Now the odds are 450 to 1. There's not even 400 people, 450 people here right now. There's probably about 190, somewhere along those lines. 400 to 1. It's when the odds are against you. When the circumstances look fearful and overwhelming, when you're not sure where you're gonna, if you're going to make it, when you're not sure if you're going to get out of this circumstance, are you in a, in a situation that you're not sure of this morning? It's, those are the moments that God wants to use to get glory. When the odds look like they're against you, those are the moments that God wants to come in and say, now this looks even. Because what your natural eyes see is not what I see. 
I didn't call you to see what I see. I called you to obey what I said. What you see will bring fear. What you see will bring discouragement. What you see is not, sometimes it's not good for you. But if, if you trust in me, if you trust in me, I'll give you the victory even though you cannot see it. And sometimes we can't see the victory. But God says, I'm getting ready to, ooh, it's like God's in heaven and he's like, oh, yes, this, this is the situation I wanted. Gideon on earth is like, this is radical. This doesn't make sense. And God is like, this is the very circumstances I was looking for. God will do it. But when he does it, you know what those, why those are the circumstances he sets us up for? Because you cannot boast about that victory. You will have to say, I got here, not with my strength, not with my knowledge. I got here because, because he was in charge all along. I got here. I don't know how I got here. But, but the one in... I don't know, I don't know how I got here, but the one sitting on the throne, he was in charge. He was in charge of my life. Even though the circumstances were overwhelming, even though fear was all around me, he was in charge. I don't know how I got here. Sometimes people come into my office and say, hey pastor, you got a minute? Yeah, yeah. And, they, and they're sharing with me. And, they, and, and I can see that the odds are against them. And I can see that the circumstances are, are, are a little bit are, are difficult. And, I li and I'm listening. And I'm listening. And I, I only could give one response for most of, the, most of the time. You know what my response is? It's going to be all right. I wonder if some, someone has ever thought, man, pastor's always saying that. That's such a cliche answer. I wonder if, if when you walk in, you, you, I come I'm going to look in my back pocket and take out this answer. Hold up. It's going to be all right. No. I don't tell you that because it's my back pocket pastoral answer. I tell you that because I know that when the odds are against you, I know that when you're faithful and obedient, that when the odds look like they're against you, he's in control of the situation. I say it because it's truthful. Because it's the real, God is not someone we just read stories about. Jesus is not someone we just read stories about. It's going to be okay. But you have to believe it. It's not my back pocket answer. Many times the odds were stacked against me and I just had to believe. I just had to believe and I had to believe his word. When the odds and, and, and the circumstances looked difficult, I just had to believe his word. When I couldn't see that there was a way out, I just had to believe his word. Your faith is going to be tested. Is it real or is it counterfeit? The second point this morning, your faith is tested, but your faith will be encouraged. When the odds are against you, you can trust that your faith will be encouraged. 
That night the Lord said, verse 9, the Lord said to Gideon, get up and go down to the, go down against the camp because I am going to give them into your hands. He said, Gideon, get up and go down into the camp. And then verse 10 was like a little awkward. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp where you're serving Pura. I'm like, he's telling Gideon, go down because I'm going to deliver them to your hands. And then verse 10 says, if you are afraid, take your servant with you and go down. And here, look at God's provision. The minute Gideon arrived in verse 13, he says, Gideon arrived just as the man was telling a friend his dream. He, he got there right on time. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. You know, in my, in my mind, I was laughing when I read this. I said, God is comparing Gideon to a butter roll. He's comparing Midian to a butter roll. But look at this. His friend responded, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. He got there. God said, hey, I, I know that you are afraid. In chapter 6, Gideon asked God for two signs. He asked him, hey, Lord, if this is you really calling me to deliver the Israelites into the Midianites, you're going you're gonna to allow this rock to, to, to burst into flames? And the Lord did it. Lord, if this is you, you're going to allow this fleece to be wet and, the, and, and uh, wet with dew and the, and the ground dry? The Lord did it. He says, Lord, is this really you? Uh, let's try it reverse. Will you allow the ground to be wet and the fleece to be dry? And the Lord did it. And here in verse 10, Gideon is not voicing his concerns, but the Lord sees the inside of his heart. You see, sometimes we, we're praying and we're telling the Lord, Lord, if this is you. And then the Lord says, this is me. But then there are times of silence. And God is not saying, hey, I'm here. He's saying, Gideon, I'm here with you. I know that you're fearful. I know that the odds are against you. But go down to the camp. Do you see God's provision there? Because God is encouraging his faith. God gives us a faith, but he doesn't leave us or abandon us to the side. When we're struggling with our faith, God says, I'm right here, right here all along. When we're going through difficulties and our faith starts to struggle, I don't know, Lord, if this is for me. I don't know if I should go to church this morning. I don't know if I should worship this morning. The Lord says, hey, hey, I'm right here. I'm right here. Don't forget about me. And he encouraged Gideon. And when Gideon got to the camp, he heard this and he says, the Lord is good. Look what he says. He bowed down and worshiped because he knew that God was providing. He's returned to the camp and said, Israel, get up. God, no one's going to encourage your faith like God does. No one will encourage you when you're scared, when you're fearful, when you're struggling. No one is going to encourage you like God and his word. 
No one is going to give you that encouragement. Some people may encourage you uh, and will walk with you, but the greatest encouragement comes from the Lord. I love how God encouraged Gideon. Nobody can encourage you like Jesus. No one can encourage you like his written word. When testing, when testing comes and difficulties arrive, you must have a line of communication uh, open to hear what the, what the master wants to tell you. I love that Gideon had a line of communication with God. From the very beginning that God called him, he had an open line of communication. The line of communication must kept open, must be kept open. The line of prayer must be kept active at all times. Don't let it be like Verizon when you don't pay that bill. They come like, whoosh. They cut it. Nope, that's not like the Verizon line. This line has to be kept open at all times. Because when your faith it starts to go through testing, when the odds are stacked against you, you need to have a line of communication so that you can have direction to hear from God. Oh man, when, when, the, when, the, when the testing comes and the difficulties start pounding on your door through your children, through your marriage, through your job, and the enemies, he's there looking, he's looking. The line of communication has to be kept open because you need to hear what God wants to tell you. How could you be going through a testing of faith and not hear what God wants to tell you? How could you be going through difficulties and not hear what he's telling you? Sometimes our lines of communication are clogged, are, are closed. Sometimes we have abandoned our life of prayer. Don't abandon your life of prayer. Because it's your line of open communication with what God is trying to tell you. You know, victory ain't going to come no other way. The line must maintain open. You got to maintain yourself on your knees seeking the God of the, God of, the, the Lord of glory. Prayer is important. Do not abandon prayer for this culture. Do not close your lines of communication for this culture. You must leave it open because it's the only way Gideon was able to hear, hey Gideon, I know you're scared, but go down. If Gideon would have his lines of communication closed, he would have lost his, his life. He would have lost his, his, his sight to fear. He would have lost it all to fear, to the circumstances. You know, People lose themselves to the circumstances. And people lose themselves to, the, to, to, to whatever that is happening at the moment. You lost a job, you start, you lose yourself. Your marriage is going through, through difficulties, you can lose it. Uh, the, the loss of, of, of a child, you can lose it. The loss of, you know, you walk in and your spouse has divorce papers there. You can lose it, but I want to tell you. You got to maintain these lines open because when difficulty comes, you need to hear the voice of God, not of the, not of the neighbor. And I love that 
he was able to hear from the Lord. And he heard and he said, you know what was his response when he heard? He bowed and worshipped. He bowed and worshipped. When the odds are against you and difficulties arise, the Lord is going to encourage your faith. But the lines of communication need to be open, which is prayer. And what else needs to happen? You need to stay worshiping. You need to lift up your hands every day and say, Lord, you're in control. You're in control of my family. I see the odds are stacked against me, but you will get all the glory. I'm going to lift your name on high. Oh, man. The lines of communication need to be open. And your heart needs to be postured in a position of worship. When you go down there, you see, when you know that God has done it, you have no other response but to worship. There's no other response. I can't tell you, I can't give you four responses. I only can tell you that I'm here because he did it. I'm here because he, he, he made a way. I can't tell you, I can't open a book for you and tell you this is how you got to do it step by step. I only can tell you, I worshiped. And I kept my lines of communication open. I only can, I only can tell you, keep worshiping and keep praying. And it's going to be all right. And we're going to come concluding with this third point. So far, your faith is going to be tested. Is it a real faith or is it a counterfeit faith? It's going to be tested. But the faith that God has given you, the faith that we have received through our son Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary, that faith will be encouraged. Your faith will be tested and it will be encouraged. In difficult times, you can trust and rely on God to speak into your life. And the third point of this passage, your faith will lead you to victory. This is guaranteed. There's no, there's no going around this. Let's look at it. Dividing the 300, into, the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets, empty jars. This, this is funny, guys. He's going to war, and it's like he got his, he got his weapons from Bath and Body Works. He's going to war, and he has a jar, a piece of wood that becomes a torch, and a trumpet. And verse 19 says, Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew their trumpets and smashed the jars Grasping the torches in their left hand and holding the trumpets with their right. Gideon was holding a torch in the middle of darkness. 300 men against 132,000. The Lord says, you give me a little something. 
little something there. The Lord says, I need you to do what I'm telling you to do. And Gideon, he grabbed his torch and he told them, you're going to do what I'm going to do. They broke the jars and they held the torch. And the torch became the light in the darkness. And the Midianites, they saw 300 torches but thought there were 300,000 soldiers. The Midianites saw a great army. But it's not what, about, it's not what the Midianites saw. It's about Gideon holding the torch. I can imagine Gideon holding his torch in that darkness. And I can imagine him saying, you know, Lord, I'm going to hold this torch. I'm going to let this light shine in this darkness. But you know, if the Midianites, if they get too close, there's no one behind me. But I'm going to hold the torch. But you know, if the enemy draws close, it's just me holding it. There's no support behind me. But I'm going to do what you said, Lord. And he held the torch. And then Paul. Amazing Paul. He says this in Corinthians and it gets me. It gets me. 2 Corinthians 4 says, For God who said, Let the light shine out of darkness may his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ then he says in verse 7 but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this surpassing power is from God and not from us you know what's your job? Hold the torch. Hold the torch, which is God's word. He's saying, hold the torch. I'm going to hold this torch through my weaknesses, through my frailties, through my discouraging times. When the odds are against me, I'm going to hold the torch. Leaders, hold your torch. Pastors, hold your torch. Because when you hold the torch, the light of Jesus shines. You know, as I was going through this, and the way God gave me this, he says, George, I don't, I don't want you to think that I, I have to break you more so the light can shine. You've come broken. And I'm going to shine my lights through every little crack of your life. All you got to do is hold your torch, which is God's word. And let God's word shine.
in this middle in the middle of this dark times that we live in God says if you hold your torch and you know what he said in verse 21 he says while they were holding each man held his position hold your torch and hold your position well pastor how do I hold my position you hold your position through prayer you hold your position through worship I don't know what's happening in your life today hold your torch in times when many are letting their light go into darkness in, in times where the enemy's blowing many torches down hold your tor torch church hold your torch and hold your position because the victory belongs to Jesus the victory belongs to him this morning as we come to a conclusion hold your torch hold the word of God high hold it like like your life depends on it because it does this morning you might be a leader here that has thought about giving in the torch you might say Lord I, how can I lead he says hold your torch hold your torch and when, and when you get tired your church family will help you hold it up high your community will help you hold it up high you don't have to hold it alone we can hold it together this morning in a time where many pastors are, are struggling pastor hold your torch let your light shine because the Lord is in control of your home through difficulties he's in control today you might have said like Gideon pardon me my Lord I can never teach a Bible class I can never preach a word the Lord says hold your torch because I'm gonna do the good work in your life I'm gonna do the good work and at the end it won't be your strength it was my strength because you were holding the torch from a weak point of view you were holding the torch being weak but you held it you didn't throw it down you were weak you were struggling but you kept God's word on high you were you were going through difficult times but you kept his word on high your marriage was struggling but you kept his word on high and you held your position of prayer and worship with all as we get ready to ask the worship team to come up I gave you this word the way the Lord gave it to me and I believe that this is what takes us to a place of victory you want victory hold your torch you want victory in your home hold your torch church and hold your position
as we get ready to conclude these are tears of joy guys these are tears of joy because many times I had to hold my torch and there were difficult times the last time we were holding our torch my home was going through difficult times our daughter was in the hospital and when me and my wife we just said we're gonna hold our torch and when we got tired our church family came together and helped us hold the torch you don't got to do this alone today you don't got to do this alone we thank you Lord for your word this morning as we get ready to worship the altar is open we're here to pray with you and we're here to walk with you we thank you Lord thank you for taking the time to listen to this message we pray that it blesses and encourages your life